Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is December the 6th, and our chapter for today is James chapter 3. The tongue, the teacher, wisdom from God, all of this in James chapter 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a perfect man. That means complete, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, James is giving a warning at the beginning of this chapter concerning teachers. Those who stand in front of other people, who teach other people, truly influence them and lead them. You see, being a teacher is not only a leadership from position, it is even more leadership from influence. I share with men and women across this country that a positional leadership will only take you so far, and that's not very far. In other words, let's just look at a man who is a pastor. If he has to tell everybody he's the pastor often, then he's not the pastor. It is when a man has influence that leadership comes into play. That's not just as pastor of the church, that's parent of a child. For those of us who are older and our children are grown and have children of their own, we realize that when the children are young, you have positional influence. That is, you're going to do what I say because I'm the dad, you're the child. I'm the mother, you're the child. And you're bigger than they are. You have influence over them from a positional standpoint. You can cut them off. You can discipline them. They are under your authority. But when a child gets up into his late teenage years, the reality is that you can only pull rank and position so long. And if in the meantime, you have not built influence, respect, reverence, and the kind of moral base in that child that needs to be there, the reality is they can spit in your face and there is nothing you can do about it. Oh, you might take money away from them, but you'll find out they can walk away. And the only leadership we have is influence. James says we need to watch it as teachers because we will be judged stricter by others, yes, but we will be judged more strict by God because to whom much is given, much shall be required. Now, it's amazing how James goes from being a teacher and leading people to dealing with the tongue. Now, why would he do that? That almost seems disjointed, but it's not. Because you see, what we say is very important, but how we live and what we do is important as well. As a matter of fact, it has been said over and over again, I cannot hear what you say for the way you're living. And so this is exactly what James is talking about. And he says, indeed, this is verse three, indeed, for real, 
We put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned by a very small rudder. In comparison to the whole ship, it is very tiny, and it goes wherever the pilot desires. Why? Because of the wind? No, because of the rudder. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It's very small, but it boasts great things. And he goes on to talk about this aspect of destruction, not only of the tongue giving direction and giving a sense of guidance, but he also says it can destroy. Not only can it give direction, but it can destroy. See how great a forest fire, just a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire. Now, this is what God says, a world of iniquity, of twisting. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it, now listen to this, the tongue is set on fire by hell. Now, you recall when you were younger, many of you, you heard the quip that was often said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's a lie. As a matter of fact, the bones and the tissue that is damaged many times will heal up, but the words that the tongue and the damage it inflicts upon the human heart, the soul, the emotions, the mind... Many times they cannot be healed and will not be healed without divine intervention. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. That is by conditioning, by training, by incentive, by punishment. An animal can be trained. A fish can be trained. But no man can tame the tongue. No man. God can, but no man can. Why? Because it's an unruly evil. You can't get a hold of it. Just the moment you think, well, thank God I don't say those kind of things anymore, you'll find yourself doing it. Why? Because it is an untamable entity. Only God can do it. It's filled with deadly poison. And James says, with it, we bless our God and Father, and with the same instrument that we bless God, we curse men who are made in his image, who are made in the similitude of God. And so we bless the creator, but we damn the creature. God hears all of that. And by the way, other people do as well. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Absolutely not. It cannot happen. It will not happen. It is unnatural for it to happen. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. You see, we are expecting what nature itself will not allow. We are sowing wild oats and then praying for a crop failure. That's not the way God works. Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. James pulls no punches. He tells us as it is. And this is why James was so respected. 
This is why James was so feared, is he was such a godly man that he had no respecter of persons, whether they were rich or poor, whether they were young or old. What he did was the right thing. And he talks about wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom for the child of God is the opposite of what men say it is. I'm around and have been around older men and women all my life, and I've heard so many men say in my lifetime, and I used to not say anything, but I do now, of course, because I'm older, and I have a standing with those men in order to speak into their lives. But I used to hear people say, well, wisdom's just common sense, Tony. Just common sense. No, it's not. That's not what the Bible teaches. And it doesn't matter what man says it or which man says it. God trumps anything and anyone. And the Bible says, the one who is wise and understanding among you, who is it? Let him show by good conduct, by his manner of life, by his behavior, that his works are done in meekness and wisdom. And then he talks about wisdom. But if any of you have bitter and envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not come down from above. In other words, this kind of thinking, this kind of outlook, this kind of worldview, this kind of perspective does not come from above. You see, wisdom in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is the ability given by God to look at life and circumstances, your life, my life, others' life, from God's perspective. Now, many times we have to ask God for that perspective. That's what we went over in James chapter 1. Remember, he said, trials come in all shapes and sizes, all colors. It's variegated. But if any of you lack God's perspective, if any of you lack God's point of view, if any of you lack wisdom, let that person ask of God who gives to all men freely, liberally, and God will not fuss at you for asking for wisdom. Why? Because he wants to give it to you. If a man, Jesus said, went to his father and said, I need bread, would that father turn around and give him a rock? Absolutely not. If he asked for a fish to eat, would he give him a serpent? Absolutely not. And so he says, if you'll ask God for wisdom, for his perspective, for his viewpoint, because ours is warped, we're sinful, and we at best are sinful. And so he says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If anyone lacks God's perspective, let him ask of God, and he'll give it to you. And this comes from above. So wisdom is not common sense. It's uncommon sense. It is not natural understanding. It's supernatural understanding. And so he says, this wisdom does not descend from above, this kind that is envious and bitter and self-seeking, that doesn't come from God. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's demonic. That's what it said. It's demonic. Verse 15, last word. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, it's pure, it's holy, it's righteous, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. When you read verse 17, it just puts your heart at ease. Because you see, God's not going to give you wisdom without purity in your heart. 
If you want God's perspective, then you're going to have to ask God out of a pure heart. Who is it that's going to enter into the tabernacle of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. This is confluent from the first book in the Bible to the end. And after that purity, then comes peace. And then comes that gentle flowing of God's spirit in your life. And he gives you ability to yield to him. And then you become full of mercy and good fruits. And now you can see clearly to not have partiality. And you won't have hypocrisy, speaking one way to one person, then another way to another person, giving one impression with one person and another impression with another. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. There's that righteous godliness and peace going hand in hand by those who make peace. You and I cannot tame our tongue. Only God can. And God wants to. Would you pray right now and say, dear God in heaven, I give my life to you. If you've never trusted Jesus alone to save you from your sins, would you ask God to forgive you right now and come into your life and take over? If you've already done that, but you strayed away, would you say, dear God in heaven, I know I've given my life to you, but Lord, I've taken it back into my own hands and I have made a mess out of it again. Oh God, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, give me a fresh start. And if you're a child of God and you're needing wisdom, you're needing God's perspective, you don't know why you're going through what you're going through, call out upon him as your father in obedience to him. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I want to follow you with everything that's within me. And when you yield to him, God will fill you with mercy. In other words, he'll give you what you don't deserve and with good fruit. And you'll be able to look at life with a clear eye, not fogged and misty by sin. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.